Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Do you think bananas are healthy? Think again. I'm Dr. Stephen Gundry, best-selling author of the Plant Paradox series, and on the Dr. Gundry Podcast, you're going to learn the foods to eat and the ones to avoid, to lose weight, boost your energy, and feel your most vibrant, active self this year. You'll also learn simple tips from the world's top experts on health and nutrition. Plus, you'll discover the truth about calories, how running could actually be hurting your health, and why fat won't make you fat. Subscribe now to the Dr. Gundry Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because I'm Dr. Gundry, and I'm always looking out for you. Well, you've heard me talk about this. Insurance doesn't always cover the full cost of an emergency medical flight. Even with comprehensive coverage, you can still get hit with a substantial copay and, of course, deductibles. Protect your family and your finances with an Air MedCare Network membership. As a member, if an emergency rises, the expense of the air medical transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs as little as $85 a year and covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. Pennies a day. You all know that the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. For a limited time, as a Dr. Drew listener, you will get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. Again, it's uh, that's really less than pennies a day now. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew and use offer code Drew. Everyone, welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Uh, we appreciate you being here and supporting the people who support the pods. Don't forget to check out Drew.com and the family of podcasts we have there, as well as the daily streaming show. And, of course, after dark, uh, people are sending us their voice messages there, and that's ending up uh, turning to sort of a new version of Loveline. So do be a part of that. Uh, you can find it all at Drew.com. Today we are dedicating the program to phone calls. So uh, let's get to our first caller. Hi, who's this? Hey, this is Scott. Hi, Scott. What's going on? Hey, um, so I just had a question about CBD um, and its use in, like, back pain, which I've never used CBD, but my wife has chronic back pain due to a herniated disc, and, you know, it's really difficult to treat, but you know, she's only 30, um, and so we've done pretty much everything you can do other than surgery, um, and I know the other day I heard about CBD bath bombs, which I thought was kind of funny, but kind of this interesting, because right. I, I had never really heard of anyone talking about it for back pain, but um, I wanted to see if you had any your thoughts on that? Well, CBD is a mild analgesic. Some people have good results. Some people have no results. Did, did you try anything? No, I haven't yet because um, I just heard about that. And with my wife being a nurse, you know, she she's into like very hard medical stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, I think CBD still kind of seems like, um, you know, something new and strange to her. So well, I haven't suggested it yet, mm-hmm. but I wanted to I don't know, it's, just make sure it's, it's safe and if it would actually do anything. Well, I don't expect it. Well, let's hear more about your back pain. When did it start? Um, well, it's my wife, and so she was a gymnast um, through high school and college. and so oh, it's, it's your wife's back pain? A, it's your wife's back Yeah, pain. my wife. Yeah, yeah. Is she on any pain medicine now? Yeah, she takes gabapentin and um, um, Ketorolac, I think. Okay. Um, well, good. I mean, she's not on any opiates, which is a good sign. And so right. she has chronic back pain from having been a gymnast, right? Yeah, and it's because of this, I guess, from what I understand, this herniated disc. Um, yeah, herniated discs, it? herni- it's, it's something more complicated because herniated discs come and go. 
They don't just give you persistent okay. back pain. So there's something else going on. And and where is the pain? It's uh, her lower back. Um, I don't know the exact vertebrae. It, it doesn't go down her leg. It doesn't go into her buttock. It just is just in the spine only. Oh, it does. No, I'm sorry. It does go down her leg, usually mm-hmm. like the, the outside, like from her hip down. And does she see a physical therapist? Um, she does and has. Um, she's gone to chiropractor. She's okay. um, gone to a back and spine specialist. Um, and, and as a nurse, does she is she like working in an ICU or ER where she's standing all day? Um, pretty much, yeah. She works in a day hospital. Okay. That's not going to be good. <laughs> I mean, almost no matter what you do, right? Standing, just prolonged standing is the worst thing you can do for back pain. So that might be the reason she's having trouble getting over this thing. Has she had epidurals? Um, yeah, she uh, had three kids and you had them with all of them. No, 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 no. Epidural steroids for the pain. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, she did get a shot once, but I don't know that it was an epidural. I, I don't know. Well, that's something to consider because those do work. I mean, they get the, you know, you can sort of, you have to figure out exactly what the anatomy is here. And I will tell you that this idea of a bulging disc, that's not the whole story unless she actually has a chronic rupture, which in which case, I mean, that's obvious on an MRI. And just having a bulging dish, dish, a disc rather, I promise you have that. I know I have that. I have it at about four levels. That's part of being an upright human being. Now, the fact that she was a gymnast sort of opens the door to all kinds of very specific sort of injuries, including chronic fracturing of the spine, all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, has she seen real spine specialists? Yeah, she's – well, she just started to see one now. Um, She's at a a spine and back specialist. Um, They did MRIs and everything and um, have been looking at it. And um, the last – you know, the last thing they've done is just – they're basically just trying to treat it right now because with her being younger, yeah. they don't want to do a fusion surgery or, or anything like that. Well, they don't. Um, that, so that, they won't, really... that won't work. It won't work. I guarantee you that will send her down a path. You don't do. You try not to, and let's just you know tell you my rule of thumb. You don't do back back surgery for pain. You just don't do it. Mm-hmm. It it just it just sends you down a path of more surgery. Has a only about a thirty percent chance of making the pain better. I can't. I I would say. Of all the back surgeries I've sent, you know, patients for surgery in the last 10 years, 0% have had persistent approval in their pain. So, I mean, that's the way it goes. It, you, you go to surgery when there's motor trouble, when the nerve is compressed and the compression causes wasting of the muscles and weakness and that kind of stuff. Well, then you go. Then you go. But for pain sure. and particularly this kind of pain, man, I, I don't know. But, but she's got to go back and back and – not to reuse the the anatomical term, but she has to return to the back specialist repeatedly mm-hmm. until this thing is defined. Because all you're saying now, it's like it's literally the same thing as saying she has a rash or she has a fever. I mean, she has back pain. So, I, what does that mean? It can mean a thousand things. So it needs sure. it. That's not a diagnosis. It needs a diagnosis. An absolute is this a facet arthropathy? Is this some sort of spondylolisthesis, which is probably what it is? Given that's what happens from uh, from the injuries with with gymnastics, and those have a different natural history than a quote ruptured disc. And so this the ruptured disc thing, I, I would not be satisfied with that diagnosis. That's not a, that's just sort of a vague, doesn't fit the syndrome with her. 
And then the fact that she's constantly standing, I mean, mm, that she may have to take a good look at that because not everyone can stand all the time with their career uh, just sure. you know because of their disabilities. This is literally a disability that she's gotten into. Is her weight okay? Oh yeah, she's uh, all right. She's so, in shape. And is she still you know working out and stuff? Um, well, not so much right now. We have a, a one year old, but um, but she's a healthy weight and everything. All right, so she's lifting the child and blah, 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 making things worse. And uh, did she yeah. have bad pain during the pregnancy? Yeah, um, I mean it's you know it's come and gone, gone throughout the past I don't know ten and, years, but yeah. She, and has she, she did ever been pregnancy? Has she ever been strung out on opiates? No, no. Good. That's because that's the big liability from this kind of thing is that people you know doctors push the pain meds. And uh, thankfully, they've been more enlightened in the last three or four years. Um, and the, the ketorolac and the uh, gabapentin is, is a very, very good combination in terms of available medication. But she's going to have to look at other things, local injections, local blocks, and uh, physical therapies and that sort of thing. Once she has a diagnosis, she doesn't really have a diagnosis yet. I would just keep – I would focus on that. And yet – and to go back to your question – yeah, CBD might have some utility, but I wouldn't expect a lot. This is a pretty complicated situation. Okay? Okay. All right, Scott. Thank you. You bet. Next up, uh, Eric. Eric, what's going on? Dr. Drew, it's an honor. Pleasure's mine, man. What's up? So I had a couple of, of just points to make about the vaccine and whether or not to really get it. So P- Points to make. Okay. This thing – so this is how I see it. This thing was created – in four months by Big Pharma, it oh. is an experimental okay. mRNA so, 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 so hold on. vaccine. So, so hold on. Slow, okay. up, slow up. So yep. I'm a doctor, right? Yes. When somebody comes in with a disease, what, what can I do? What are, the, what are my options when I'm trying to change the course of a disease? What, what? Uh, try, try to treat it Okay. And, and, prevent and, it. So prevention is one thing if it's not happened yet, but treatment. And and where do I get these treatments? I, from uh, from Big Pharma. Right. That's the or only option. I, that's where medicines come from. Scientists. So so without Big yeah. Pharma, there is no doctor. Uh, the only okay. uh, doctors Fair. can either use medication or a scalpel. That's it. That's all we can do. There's right. no other option. Yeah. I mean, we can prefer for physical therapy. We can refer for psychotherapy, things like that. But really, all we can do is change the course of illness using chemicals. We call those chemicals medication, whether they come from the ground, mm-hmm. tree bark, or big pharma. And so pharma, and from all over the world, it's not just U.S. pharma, creates the medication. And we're then able to use these things, thank God, because uh, there are amazing yeah. things that change keep people alive a lot longer than they're supposed to be alive. So, yeah. so, And so vaccine therapies, uh, when you look at the onset uh, of vaccination, nothing has actually had a bigger effect on uh, life expectancy and the practice of medicine than vaccine therapies. I mean, nothing we've done mm-hmm. has been more impactful than that. So, so there's a lot of enthusiasm for vaccine in spite of – now, this is to your point. Every time a doctor does anything – and I mean anything. Even you walk in our office, there is risk. So let's not kid ourselves. There is risk. So the question mm-hmm. always is, is the risk worth the reward, right? So now let's zero into your question. So your question is, mRNA vaccines, should I trust them? Well, you know, well they've been around for about 12 years and they've been used okay. a, a lot. 
the big okay. and the reason they were able to ramp up in four months is because that's the big deal about mRNA vaccines. You can ramp them up in about four months and put them out. That's the only vaccine that has that kind of speed associated with it. So that's why okay. it was so fast. So it wasn't now this specific. So so the so the you know that particular form of vaccine not new ramped up fast because that's the big uh, technological advantage to those. All right, now get to this vaccine. So this vaccine against the spike protein, uh, so it, it so you put a little piece of mRNA in your body, right? mRNA dissolves, it just dismantles in about in very quickly. It's it's just it your body just cho- chops it up very quickly. But but for it and it can't get into the nucleus of the, of the cell because in order for mRNA to get in the nucleus, it has to have this chemical tail on it. That that's what's mm-hmm. chopped off of mRNA as it comes out of the nucleus, so it can't go back. So the the tail is off. The the mRNA that is produced in the vaccine doesn't have that tail, so it stays in what's called the cytoplasm, and it's it's taken apart very quickly. So the question then becomes: Could it in those in that short period of time that it's free in the cells? Could it cause some sort of untoward reaction that we don't know about yeah. or don't think about yet? And so what it does is it causes the cells to produce the protein. mRNA is just a code for a protein. And that protein is identical to the binding site on the spike proteins. Now, unfortunately, despite that particular binding site that we are recreating by the, by the protein in the mRNA is uh, highly prone to mutation. So there's one shortfall of this vaccine that it could – this virus is going to find a way around it sooner or later. So that's number one. Number yeah. two, once the protein is produced, then the body sees it as foreign and produces a whole bunch of antibody. And that antibody is always available to fight off if it sees that protein again, which is why you can't catch the virus or at least you're less likely to catch the virus. It also helps fight the virus should the virus find a way in. The question then is how long do these antibodies last? Is it worth it? Uh, what about the B cell and T cell memory function that's left behind? We don't really know about that yet. Again, weaknesses. We don't know those. those yeah. That it, science hasn't been worked out yet. So the question then becomes – here's my question about it. This, so this is where my, my concern comes in. Um, when you look at the mRNA vaccines versus traditional vaccines, the response is sort of – Extraordinary. I mean, traditional vaccines are like seventy percent, eighty percent, and those are considered successful. This is ninety-five percent. So, one of my lingering concerns is, hmm, in terms of long-term consequences, could we have hyper-stimulated the immune system so much that we're going to cause a lymphoma or something down the road? So that's a that's a lingering concern of mine. No evidence of that, but I just kind of in the back of my mind worry about that. Okay, something to worry about. The other worry is that there's something about this spike protein. All right, this spike protein, in in my humble estimation, is going to be found to do something to our platelets and the lining of our arteries called endothelium. I took the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, and I woke up with a spontaneous black eye. That was not normal. That was not normal. My body was – and I was sick. So my body clearly had a reaction. And what's worse, there was no reason for me to take the vaccine. I took it only because bureaucracy mandated it. I shouldn't have taken it, right? I had high levels of antibodies already. I don't don't need it, but I took it. And and it kind of pisses me off, but okay, you know, whatever. I want the sustained immunity and whatever. So – 
so these the, from a sort of from a scientific standpoint, th- those are the things that linger for me. Now, having said all of that, believe and and as a patient who's recovered from COVID, trust me, the vaccine is better than COVID. <laughs> so, from a risk reward yeah. standpoint, for you, let's say you're 32, may not be worth it. For me, at 60, it's worth it. Right. So it's a really it's these are all really interesting questions. And my last my last point to you, Eric, and then I'll let you talk, is that is that. We all have a collective obligation. Remember what I said about that spike protein region of the of the virus mutating? Well, the more virus that is replicating, the more mutations that are going to occur. So we kind of all have, and I would say worldwide, have an obligation to reduce the replication. And thus far, the vaccine, although not without risk, there's always risk with medical stuff, is worth our – I, my sort of feeling is it's time for us all to stand up. This is, this, is, this is a time to be brave in this culture in a lot of respects. And one of them is take that damn vaccine. From, this is my perspective. Not I'm not saying you to do it. But from my perspective, mm-hmm. take that damn vaccine and reduce the replication and let's let's make sure this thing doesn't mutate. So that's my that's my full thing. Eric, You now you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that, that certainly answered my question. And, I mean, you hit on the long-term effects of this. And I think you – you sort of pointed out, like, we don't actually know because this, the protein getting, uh, you know, the spike protein with the, the cap on it, yeah. and all, all of the, the long-term effects. I'm just, I'm just skeptical. I, this is I, put, I get getting it. put and if you were, billions of people's and, and, and bodies, if, let me just and you, we don't really know, but and that's, that's, that's I, just what I'm... I agree. I don't disagree. About. I don't disagree yeah. with that. However, as medical interventions go, I can tell you from my perspective, if I've using these chemicals over 30 years, you know, these things that pharma produces, um, this is a pretty good profile compared to some of the other stuff we do. You know, think about it. When okay. something's approved, you know what I mean? You've got a year, 18 months, maybe two years of track record with just about everything. And and so yeah. when you talk about long-term or widespread use, that's always the concern with any medical product. Even even mechan- right. you know even knee replacements and things like that. It's like well, what's going to happen you know, thirty years down the line? What's going to happen? <laughs> so right. so so now if you were twenty, like I've got a twenty eight year old son that had COVID, and he's pissed. He's like, "This was it? What the hell? Why did I? Why did I? You know, why was I so afraid right. of this thing?" And now he won't take the vaccine. He won't do it. And his his thing basically is, "Why should I trust anything anybody tells me now?" <laughs> so so he's he's very yeah. skeptical about everything. And you know what? In your twenties, <laughs> it's a, actually a rational thing, and you're sort of in that zone. So it's kind of it's a really interesting question. I I am not in favor of governments taking over your body and telling you what to do. I am not in favor of that. But I want you yep. really to think about. The collective in this, you know, people could just as easily argue, by the way, well, then you should be masking and distancing. You know what? That doesn't work as well as a vaccine. If we're going to really stop the replication of this thing, then we need to take personal risk to stop the replication. And you may not want to do that. You may not want to do that. And and you're young enough that it kind of becomes a rational conversation. For a 67-year-old, it doesn't make sense. You should take the vaccine. Gary. Did you see the news out of, I believe it was Ohio, that apparently the governor there is offering a million-dollar like lottery. If you get the vaccine, you get entered into a lottery, you can win a million bucks. Smart. Super smart. I agree. (laughs) That seems like a bargain. I feel like every state should be doing that. Yeah. That's super, super smart because – 
because it's all about motivation and 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 you're going to sit and think about this now and this is what I like about it you're going to you're a thinker you're 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 taking this information you're going to sit and think about it and you're going to make a good decision one way or another and I, I don't worry about mandating stuff because I I want people like Eric to go make a decision go figure it out right and yeah. government by all means motivate yeah motivate that's that's your job all right Eric thanks for that question <laughs> thanks Dr. Bye, Drew. thanks everybody bye, bye. bye. This now is Richard. Hi, Richard. Hey, Dr. Drew. How's it going? Good, man. What's happening? Well, I'm a, I'm a 44-year-old man, otherwise healthy. Started feeling like over the past three, four years, started feeling like a uh, you know, lack of motivation, tiredness, sleeping more, and uh, mild, like, you know, it takes longer to get an erection, et cetera, you yeah. know, but yeah. nothing terrible there. Yeah. So I went and got a blood panel done, and I came back really low on uh, testosterone. Yeah. Uh, it was 150 mm-hmm. and, uh, the doc said he's going to do another board of, you know, another round of, 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 uh, you know, tests. But one of the things at the end of it says it might recommend testosterone replacement therapy. I just wanted to know your opinions on that. I know it's something I'd have to do pretty much for the rest of my life. Yeah. And you know, being my first medication, it's, 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 you know, worries me. Like what, what's your opinions? You know, how is everything? Because I've heard things about prostate cancer and strokes, right. et cetera. All right. All right. Good. Yep. Well, that's good. So you're, 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 you're starting from the concerns, which is always good, which are, which are real, um, mild, very mild. I mean, for instance, the prostate cancer risk, eh, it, it probably doesn't cause prostate cancer. It just accelerates prostate cancer. So it's, I wouldn't worry about causing prostate cancer. And, you know, assess your risk for whether or not you have that in your family and whatnot. Number one. Number two. Uh, vascular problems, those are real, but those are real for people taking large doses of uh, testosterone. You're talking about trying to restore normal physiology, much like, much like if your thyroid wasn't producing enough, enough, you would take a supplement to increase the thyroid. I, I have no problem with that, and you're low enough that you probably should. I mean, in terms of your bone density and your well-being and all kinds of other stuff, there's a lot to be gained by restoring your testosterone. Here's what I don't like. Low testosterone is a symptom, not a diagnosis, okay? So it's like, again, like I was saying earlier, it's like a fever. Yeah, you have a fever. What is the diagnosis? What's causing the low testosterone? And was that looked into at all by your doctor? Um, you know, I'm, I'm slightly overweight. You know, I'm 210 pounds and, and five foot eight. Um, he mentioned that about getting on, you know, making sure I get my diet and exercise right. Had a very stressful job. Um, so you mentioned that stress could, could, could cause the testosterone lowering, lowering too. So, so yeah, definitely talked about and definitely gave me another, another route as we're, as we're still taking these panels. But, okay. uh, okay. so it, it's so low that he, it's he low. says I have a testosterone yeah, it's, it, of a 55-year-old man. That's right. Yeah. Well, more than that. It, it's low. Make no mistake about it. That, that, that's not normal. And, and, but, but I still, you know, it's a little bit concerning to, to p- pass off all of your symptoms as necessarily related to the low testosterone. There might be something else causing all that, and maybe that's what's causing the low testosterone. So, again, I, I like the fact that your doctor's thinking about it. So, so it's all good news. Your doctor's not just perfunctorily going, take testosterone and get out of here. He's, he or she is thinking it through. So that's good. Um, I, I, other than, yeah, other than things I mentioned, is, is, is there any other – Things I should be looking into in order to uh, get tested, or or uh, you know that that would cause the low T. Are, are you on any other med- any other medication? No, nothing at all. Okay, and drinking excessively, anything of that sort, pot, anything? Can- yeah, yeah. I mean, 
you know, it's uh, like Adam Carolla would always say, you know, it's uh, I don't call myself an alcoholic, but probably other people would. <laughs> All right. Well, th- that really drives down that increases estrogen and drives down testosterone. So, so that might be your whole thing. I mean, your diagnosis might be alcohol excess, right? Um, and and your weight, I agree with your doctor on that. That's the other issue. But if you add weight plus alcohol, that's a pretty powerful combination in lowering testosterone. And then I would add a third thing to that: if you have, if you're drinking at night and you're overweight, you're going to have sleep apnea also. And sleep apnea. Yeah, he did, go he ahead. did mention getting a sleep study done as well too. He's right. And sleep apnea also adds to low T. So it's sort of sounding like that's the zone you're in. You're in the alcohol, weight, sleep apnea zone, which is a for some people particularly a very powerful cause of this problem. So, um, you know, how old, you're 44. I mean, you want to think about this. You want to really, uh, you know, maybe time to make some life changes. It's up to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but But the other thing, well, let me just finish with one last thought. And that is that uh, when people get put on, on testosterone, my you know sometimes you don't have the resources for this or insurance won't cover it or whatever, but it's always a good idea to see an endocrinologist first because, as you say, you're committing to a, a long-term treatment here. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, man. Good oh, luck. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Well, particularly in the era of COVID, anxiety, depression are common and they are paralyzing. And they're, you know, uh, they could be treated. Brightside offers personalized, life-changing anxiety and depression care from your home. Again, we're getting accustomed to using electronic media to deliver health care, and this is no exception. Most mental health providers make getting help exhaustingly difficult, but Brightside offers help for the full spectrum of anxiety and depression. No matter what you're feeling, you get a treatment plan tailored to your specific needs. Just go to Brightside, B-R-I-G-H-T, side, S-I-D-E, brightside.com slash Drew. Take a quick free mental health assessment, and within 48 hours, you're connected with your expert provider to start your personalized treatment plan. Whether you choose therapy, medication, or both, all plans follow the highest clinical standards based on the American Psychiatric Association guidelines, and 85% of Brightside members feel better within 12 weeks. It's affordable. It's a flat monthly fee, no hidden cost. You'll get all the help you need without worrying about a big bill at any point. Plus, with Brightside's Better Care Guarantee, you get a full refund within 30 days, no questions asked. So join thousands of Brightside members taking back their lives. Take your free mental health assessment and get up to $100 credit on your first month of treatment at brightside.com. Again, that is brightside.com. B-R-I-G-H-T-S-I-D-E, brightside.com slash Drew. Marie wasn't getting enough sleep. Every night she struggled with poor sleep, restless legs, but then she made a small change, and one month later, everything was better. All because she started taking Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers, the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium. Marie left a five-star rating saying, I'd give this 100 stars if I could. Within one month of use, I went from daily struggles with restless legs, constipation, poor sleep, to no struggles with any of that. I know it sounds dramatic and far-fetched, but it is true. And Marie is not the only one getting better sleep after taking Magnesium Breakthrough. Amanda says, quote, I fall asleep much faster and stay asleep now until normal waking hours. You have a customer for life. And Bill says, quote, on the first night of taking Magnesium Breakthrough, my deep sleep jumped up to two hours, which has been the highest reading so far from my Oura Ring. 
Listen, if you're having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, one of the best things you can do is start by getting enough magnesium. It's simple. But please do not run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement you find. Most magnesium supplements use only two of the cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they may not fix your magnesium deficiency or then may not help you sleep better. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I'm suggesting Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed, and you'll be amazed how much better you sleep. Magnesium is known to help sleep, and how much more rested you'll feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com slash Drew. Use code Dr. Drew 10 during checkout to save 10%. That is magbreakthrough.com slash DREW and use the code DRDREW, Dr. Drew 10 at checkout to save 10%. Uh, Andy, what's going on? Hi there. Hey. Um, I've... Hi, I have a question about the show MTV Loveline. I mm-hmm. love that show. Uh-huh. Um, I was wondering, what is your favorite or weirdest uh, experience from that? The, the TV show. We did the radio show for thirty-five years. Well, the TV one. The the TV one. There, TV was so different than radio. Because it was all kind of produced, right? I mean, the calls were sort of set up. And with radio, people are calling spontaneously, and there's a lot more sort of surprising moments. With with television, most of the surprises and things came from the guest. Uh, we had lots of interesting guests on the show with us, and so a lot of the a lot of the moments I had were sort of moments with with guests. You know, things like when uh, you know um, what's her name from Baywatch, Pamela Anderson. You know, showed up an hour late. Adam just said, "Roll cameras. We're going to go ahead. I don't care if she's here or not." And she sort of she sort of walked in <laughs> in the middle of the show. And um, I remember a fight I had with John Favreau that was uh, interesting when he was telling a very really psychotic caller to not listen to what the doctors were telling him that he was his own. And I was like, "Oh my god, you you can't imagine how oh, wow. dangerous that is." And we got into it a little bit, and then I had a panic attack afterwards. Uh, <laughs> um. What do you remember? Oh, I remember also um, that there was a woman behind the – we had that sort of shower thing where people could ask anonymous questions. Yeah. And I remember I went back there and talked to this woman and she sort of freaked out. Um, and that was kind of interesting. What do you remember? You know, I think it's the same thing that you're talking about because there was a woman and I, my heart really went out to her. I felt bad. She was a young woman whose husband had died and yeah. she said he looked like David Duchovny. So she moved – to another city simply because the cable provider in that area showed the X-Files twice a day. Wow. And then you went behind that door um, to see her and she is sort of collapsing and she says, oh, you look just like him. <laughs> right. right. It was weird. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I just felt so bad for her. Like I wanted to give her a hug. <laughs> right. That, that's exactly why I went back I was, there. I felt like she needed a really real contact, like the body, you know, humans in space rather than dis- dissociated voices. Yeah, it was it was an interesting show. And it was at a time when, you know, there's no internet. People didn't have any place to go for things. And it felt very communal and it felt very purposeful. I, I really started doing it on the radio because of the AIDS epidemic. Uh, it was actually, believe it or not, Anthony Fauci in 1980s was telling us younger physicians that were working in the AIDS epidemic to go out and educate and educate and educate. 
And I had this opportunity to go on this radio show in the middle of the night and I was like, oh my God, they're, they're coming here with these questions and they've never heard of this thing we were just starting to call AIDS. And so that really was motivation for me to keep doing the radio show. And then years later, I was still doing it. I thought as a community service, um, we had decided to do it five nights a week and I was like, oh crap, that week, my two weeks earlier, my wife got pregnant with triplets. And um, and she was like, okay, and, you know, if you're going out of the house every night, that's not that's a job. You got to ask them to get paid. And I was like, okay, so I kind of go hat in hand. And then a couple years later, these television guys showed up and said, we want to make a TV show out of this talk show. And we're like, uh, I was like, what's that? How, how do you do a TV show? And and uh, that's how it all happened. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I, I mean that's wonderful because uh, you know I know for me I'm. 44. I was, you know, a young person when that, you know, I have more experience with the watching the TV show, but I know you talked about things that I would never, um, I was too embarrassed to ask anybody, even my doctor. So um, I know that that, you know, even just that went, was such a, a service. So, uh, you know, thank you. Oh, of course. And that, that was kind of the idea I started thinking about at the very beginning. I was like, gosh, it, this material is so easy and it was all shrouded in Latin and strange words, venereal diseases when I was growing up. And it's so basic. It's so simple to understand. Somebody just needs to tell people about it. And and what would I want to know is sort of my naive notion I started with. And uh, there we go. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. It's weird. You do have a, a, a Duchovny thing going on. I do. I, I never weird. noticed it before. I don't, I don't see it, but I, interesting. It's there. It's there. Weird and weird. <laughs> Ralph, what's going on? Dr. Drew, thanks for taking my call. Hey, I was actually calling because my mother has, for my entire life, uh, had an ailment of one sort or another, starting with Epstein-Barr, became chronic fatigue syndrome, mm. and now it's fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. My question is the actual validity, and it, does this really occur? Okay. Fibromyalgia is a, a 100% a real thing, 100%. Let's make, let's make no bones about that. But it is a syndrome and not a diagnosis in the sense that it's caused by multiple different diagnoses. So the syndrome is fibromyalgia, generalized aches and pain. In my opinion and in my experience, the predominant underlying cause of fibromyalgia is a sleep disturbance. So if something is screwing with her sleep, whether it's depression or – some other pain or some other medical condition or medication, which more often than not is what's messing with the sleep, uh, that's what causes the fibromyalgia. So the goal – now, restoring normal sleep hygiene won't make it go away. It will just make it a lot, lot better. Now, having said that, you you asked something about painkillers or is that just something I'm reading here? Well, my my question was to go with each one of those. Uh, Pain pills seem to be the main – she always has pain pills for some some issue or another. Right. And and pain medication is opiates, opioid pain medications are categorically not the treatment for fibromyalgia. Categorically. I mean if somebody okay. wants in a great while needs a painkiller, whatever. But if somebody's on painkillers for fibromyalgia, that's going the wrong direction. That's gonna make things worse. For sure. For sure. For sure. Now, your mom has a long history with opiates, and man, the first order of business would be let's t- let's take care of that. Because uh, opioids cra- cause, A, hyperalgesia. So with time, pain becomes intensified. It, they cause chronic withdrawal, so headache and back pain, desperation, agitation, preoccupation with physical symptoms, opioid withdrawal, and three, addiction. 
And so the motivational system might be driving towards using, like all the thinking and all the feelings are moving towards. Not that opioids have zero use in chronic pain. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that in settings like this, the first order of business is get away from the opiates and see what you got. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but fi- Thank but, you so much. but fibromyalgia and and one more thing. You mentioned that she had Epstein Barr and blah 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 all these other things. And yeah. the 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 syndrome of fibromyalgia is a well characterized coalesced syndrome now that has been called many things over the last thirty years. And chronic fatigue and Epstein Barr was one of those things. Okay, okay. so it's probably all, okay. always been the same kind of thing all the way along. All right, thanks, Ralph. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, fibromyalgia is a very challenging thing to treat. It, it is, and it's no fool, and people are miserable with that. But uh, some of the anti-inflammatory uh, sigma one receptor stimulants, such as fluvoxamine, which helped me get out of my long hauler COVID syndrome, and or Prozac, lo and behold, have some effect on these things. So there might be some chronic, three, you know, central nervous system inflammation or something going on. There also because of the dis- dis- distorted sleep can be some mood things on top of that. So fluvoxamine, uh, Prozac, those things can be helpful. Uh, things like Neurontin uh, can be useful as well. It can be useful not just in dealing with the pain but also restoring sleep. And then you know Benadryl, melatonin, you can try all these things. And then you can get into the more you – know, the heavier sleep sort of stuff. But you want to avoid the benzodiazepines because you can certainly try to restore sleep in the shorthand. Uh, say with a benzodiazepine, but not more than a week or so. Then you've got to go to something else. And there's a lot of different things that can be used in that in that uh, setting. Uh, Justin, what's going on? How's it going? That's good. What's up? Uh, so my wife, uh, she's like got a lot of issues around sex, and uh, I'm just wondering if she could possibly be regressing or uh, uh, holding back memories of sexual abuse. Uh, we just found out that her father was uh, convicted of child molestation. Oh, boy. Well, um, to have an explicit memory is not uh, – how should I say this? The, the fact that she doesn't have an explicit memory is neither here nor there, right? That doesn't really mean anything. What you're saying is there's something going on where she's unregulated – and she can't be open sexually because of something. You know, it might have been just being raised by this guy or maybe she witnessed him do something. Or who the hell knows? It sort of doesn't matter. It is critically important that she get involved in a therapeutic relationship. And, and part of that therapy would be not so much trying to evoke memories or try to – you're just about as likely to evoke a false memory as a true memory in that kind of setting. But it's about giving her the capacity to regulate her emotions – and to explore her feelings around sexuality in a safe environment and then regulate those feelings and then go back to her relationship with her husband and then go back to therapy and talk about all the feelings and things that are stirred up by whatever she decides to try. Does that make sense? It, it's literally I, – I, in some situations like this, sometimes I think of it the way I think of a, of a fighter. You know, you've got someone – she has someone in her corner that she can go back to and refuel, the therapist, and then go out into the, you know, into the fight again and see how that feels and how that works and uh, just keep going back and building and regulating and expanding her, her ability to tolerate things. It, it's literally – what will start happening is – and this is the, the part that really isn't emphasized to people in the process of therapy. 
is as she shifts and changes and is able to tolerate things, a sort of a almost a new self emerges or at least a new perspective emerges. So she'll be able to look at things from a different position emotionally. Like looking at her dad will become more realistic. Looking at those feelings she's having on sexuality will start being more tolerable. And in doing so, other things might start to come up. And you wouldn't go, ooh, just sit here and try to remember these things. No, you don't do that. But things do have a way of coming up. And even in therapy, you just go, I don't know if those are real or not. It doesn't matter. Let's deal with them. Does that all make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I and I try to talk her into going to therapy, but she just constantly fights it. Well, th- this is the thing with trauma is that people the, – the way the brain sets up after trauma is it doesn't want to deal with it. I'm fine. I don't think about it. I, I don't want to go back there. And what she has to be understand is – no one's going to make her experience something intolerable or to find out something she doesn't want to know. Everything that happens in the therapeutic context should be in what's called tolerable doses, like just enough that it's not overwhelming. It's not shattering. It's not difficult that she can tolerate it. Now, what she might want to consider is something called EMDR. Have you ever heard of that? No. EMDR is eye movement reprocessing therapy where it, she just sits. It's it's kind of – it's it's a relative of hypnosis. She just sits and sort of watches a light move back and forth and it, it allows for access comfortably to materials that is – that are um, otherwise locked away in the brain. Let's put it that way. Gary, when is the uh, – uh, what's her name? Amy mm. – it's available now if you're listening to this. Okay. So so there is a podcast, the Dr. Drew podcast that is up r- right now, Justin, that it, it goes into great detail with an EMDR therapist. So you might want okay. to check that out. Okay? All right. Thanks, guys. All right. You got it. Thank you. Uh, the, the podcast, the Dr. Drew podcast is, w- is with Annadel Barber, Annadel, and she uh, is an excellent EMDR therapist. I've sent a lot of people to her over the years. And she does an amazing job, and she she talks about what the what the phenomenon is like. Hey, Annalie, what's Hi, going hello? on? Hey there, what's up? Hi, not much. What's up with you? Just have a few questions. I have my girlfriend Terry on the phone, and um, actually, uh, back in the day, you came to my dental lab years ago. Wow! For dental X-rays. Oh wow, cool. Yeah. But I, I have a question about, I'll ask my question first, and then Terry will ask hers. Okay. But um, when I heard last night on Fox News about the vaccine, so what they did, it, and I could, I mean, this is what I heard, is that they, it came out of Wuhan, and it was mixed with the SARS, vac, uh, the SARS virus. Is that correct? I mean, mixed with is sort of a mischaracterization. Okay, but but let's let's. The that, that I, I suggest. The the, yeah, I suggest you the reason read. Why they, just listen. Shh. Sh- sh- I suggest. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let him talk. Hold on. I suggest you read the article in Medium. Uh, let me get you the name of the article that really goes through. It's an extremely good article. He leaves you open to make your own decision about the information. It's called Origin of COVID, Following the Clues. You okay. get get it at medium.com. I, I, before you spin any further, just read that article. It's about 40 pages. But he goes through every single bit of evidence about what happened and what the 
sort of fake news stuff was and why that came out and how people had grabbed onto these narratives that were false. Just go, go read that and then you can draw your own conclusions. No, nothing I can say can be better than that article. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, what do you feel about? I mean, I I um, think look, I, from the beginning, I was apoplectic about the fact that the behavior of the Wuhan government, mandated right. by Secretary General Xi, was nothing I had ever seen before. It was nothing you would find in a infectious disease textbook or an epidemiology textbook. It looked like. It looked like they were hiding something, or or that this was, or that this was an exercise they had planned. Like they like this is something that should everything get out. Here's what we're going to do, and they did it. Right. And I was mortified that the international press was mandating that governments do throughout the world to protect in this country do the same thing. And and I kept saying, wait a minute, the data looks similar to flu, but we don't know yet. We just had a pandemic in 2009 that killed 300,000 people, and you don't even know that happened. And yet this one, we're going to shut the world down? I, I was just I astonishing know. to me. It's, it, a lot of people suffered. A lot and of people, people suffered. are still That's suffering. Right. That, you're absolutely and right. I That's did, what I was worried and, about. You know, it's it, – I'm horror. It scares me every day, honestly. Yes, it should. I mean, we have, I have – you know, I have a four-year-old grandson that can't – you know, he goes to – you know, private day school, preschool, and he goes, he, he's got allergies now. Mm. And he, my son said, look, he is not going to wear this mask. Yeah. I can't, uh, uh, his eyes are slamming shut. I, I understand. You know? I, I, get, so, I mean, and it's so, just, I, so I, the collateral damage was massive and there was, seemed to have been no risk reward analysis in what they were doing. And that was just mortifying to me. And I, and I have years of experience with Fauci and I know his judgment to be good. So I just kept saying, just listen to Fauci, listen to the CDC and let's just follow along. And if we had done that, we wouldn't have had so much collateral damage. But here we go. We'd manned the press, literally mandated the policy of the Wuhan government, which were engaged in a behavior that like – very, very strange. It was very strange. And now if you read this article, you'll kind of get a sense of why it was. And Terry, you had a question too. I got to go in just a minute here. So Terry, is something for you too? Yeah, I want to know. Yeah, I want to know about the, um, the mosquitoes that are being released in the Florida Keys from Bill Gates. I know it has to do with they're releasing the male mosquitoes for the malaria and the Zika virus. But let me ask you, what? What is his education that he's capable of doing that through his foundation? I'm certain. What he, does he know about? Remember, he funded it. Science. He he funded it. He didn't do the science, right? And so right. the the he scientist the scientist did the science, right? So so it's going through his foundation, which the same thing happened over in Wuhan. He's part of that lab, Fauci. Put that that virus into that lab because I, they didn't want to. I'm going to I'm going to ask you to read that same article. It's not as simple as that. It really okay. isn't. It really it's as it okay. was, and here's here's good advice to both of you. Everything is always more complicated than it seems, and that the just so narratives that everyone presents, it's always more complicated. Everything right. is right. That's the way life is. Right. So do your due diligence. Right. Stop listening to the press; they're full of shit, and just go yeah. educate yourself. But don't, but don't go in rabbit holes. Always pull in all the available information, and and we will all be in a much better situation, being informed and and making good decisions. 
All right, guys, I got to run. Thank you so much, you guys, for calling in. I appreciate it very much. Um, Again, uh, keep an eye on drew.com. We got a bunch of stuff going on there. And we got some really excellent guests coming up on this podcast. I've had the profound privilege to have had a lot of really interesting people that we're interviewing. But we just thought we'd take a break and take some calls today because people often like that show. So we appreciate it very much. um, And we'll see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Hey, movie lovers, who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts, ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device.